welcome to the West Cheltenham podcast. We want to see communities and places buzzing with the extraordinary presence of Jesus. Join us live on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30am. We really hope you enjoy this message. Thanks, Cap. Nothing like a bit of revelation to kick the term off. Should we just pray? Got sound effects on the left as well. Thank you, Lord, this morning for your greatness. Thank you that you're the king above all kings. You're the president above all presidents. You're the government above all governments. You're the power above all powers. And Lord, this morning we, we gather ourselves, having sung those songs about your love and your greatness. We gather ourselves now before you. And we pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us. I pray, Lord, that you would speak. Let these words that I have in my head and the stuff that I've prepared, let just, Lord, please you speak and change us, Lord. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I thought I'd start <clears throat> new football season, new term. So I thought I'd start with a Stephen Gerrard quote. I hope that's okay with everybody. Um, so this is... Um, Famously, he, he said this actually just before Liverpool didn't win the Premier League. He, he was hoping they would, but um, they'd just beaten Man City and they only needed, I think it was four points from the last two, three games or something. And then he had, did his famous slip and uh, that's haunted him ever since and Liverpool didn't win the league. But just at the moment when they'd won, he gathered the team together and he went, we don't let this slip little bit ironic use of words there but we don't let this slip we go again we go again um so if you click again the this we go again it's a kind of september phrase isn't it we go again and whether you're thinking of um a new term whether you're thinking of Summer holidays are done, we go again. Or whether every morning when you get up, you think, we go again. Or whether it's the battles, the things going on in your life, that you're just about holding it together and getting through. And you're thinking every time, right, we go again. It feels like a kind of September phrase. So I wanted to talk to you about we go again. We go again. What does that mean? And I've got, I read a book a little while ago on Revelation, which I've always been slightly scared of, Revelation, because it's always like a bit of a weird book, isn't it? Um, and I've got really into it. It's really, really interesting. So I just want to give you a little bit of background before we go into this, because I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about this chapter and then a bit afterwards. So basically, the background to Revelation is that there were these seven churches, and they were living in really tough times. 
really tough times. It wasn't fashionable to be a Christian. You could get away with being a Christian as long as you didn't really do it. So the law was that you had to acknowledge that Caesar was Lord. As long as you said Caesar was the ultimate Lord, you could pretty much do what you want after that. As long as you fitted in, you could do what you want. And the Christians wouldn't do it. That's where our phrase, Jesus is Lord, comes from. Because they said, no, no, we won't do that. We don't believe that Caesar is the ultimate Lord. We refuse to do it. Jesus is Lord. So these seven churches living in tough times. And they had a leader. They had a pastor. And his name was John. And because of their... um, kind of refusal to do that that was kind of everything else was sort of fine they just wouldn't quite fit in they became quite persecuted and John was taken away to prison and he was put on an island um, on his own and he didn't know whether he'd ever he'd ever see them again he thought of these people as his family these churches he he didn't know whether he'd ever see them again and he was stuck on this island and one day somebody said to him we can smuggle a letter out we can smuggle a letter out from you to the seven churches you need to write something so revelation is what john wrote about um 16 years ago i was diagnosed with cancer And you go through this thing on your cancer journey where you don't know, you know you've got it, but you don't know what the outcome's going to be. And in that period of time, I thought about, what will I say to my family? What would you say to your family if you might never see them again? You just had one shot. What would you say? And Revelation is what John said. Which isn't kind of normally how it gets set up, but that's it. That's what this letter is. So if you can get a Bible, get hold of a Bible, I want to show you some stuff. Can everyone get hold of a Bible? If you've never looked at Revelation, it's worth a look. But you'll need somebody who can explain it to you. So basically, if you look at the first first bit in chapter 1, it says prologue, and that's kind of John's introduction. So there's a kind of intro chapter in verse 1. And then you can imagine John, can't you? This is his one shot at saying something. So he's really praying about it. What do I say? What do I say to my family? So as we get into chapter 2, you see the letters. So these are really specific letters to the members of the family. There are seven churches. He thinks of all of them as his family. He's close to them all. But they're all in different situations. They've all got different stuff going on. So he's really specific. These are his effectively last words to those members of his family and he's praying about it he's desperate to say the thing that will set them up to be the best that they can be 
to be all that God has created them to be, to live out his calling in their lives. So that's chapters two and three. And then he finishes writing. And as he finishes writing in prayer, we get to chapter four. And he's praying and he has a vision. We call it revelation. The proper thing is to call it the revelation. He has the revelation. And if we click again, in this book, there are 404 verses and there are 518 references to the rest of the Bible. You may have heard me say that before. So in other words, what this revelation does is it encapsulates the whole story of the Bible. The whole thing is wrapped up in this. But it isn't just a set of instructions. It's like a Lord of the Rings version. If C.S. Lewis or Tolkien or somebody like that wrote the story of the Bible, this is what they would write. So he didn't just say to them, look, you're going to have to love your mum and dad, and it's going to be really important that you, you know, don't lie about each other. And so he didn't go into the Ten Commandments. He painted, that God painted a picture that lifted them out of their everyday lives to see something more. The, the, the picture where they had to use their imagination. And so you get these weird things. You get dragons and you get creatures with eyes even under their wings and you get all this stuff. It's like a, it's like a, a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale version of the gospel. But it's the whole Bible wrapped up. And if you go back to verse 1, if you click again, thank you. This is how, this is his really top line summary of the letters he's going to write. So John, he says, I, John, your brother. I, John, part of the family. In the suffering and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. The suffering, the kingdom, and the patient endurance. We go again. The things that are just happening to us, we never would have chosen. The trials, the tribulations, the stuff that you never thought life was going to throw at you, the suffering. The moments of, oh, this is how life should be. Why can't it always be like this? Those little moments that you get in the sunshine, the kingdom. This is the way, oh, if only life could always be like this, if I could just hang on to it. And the patient endurance, the humdrum of everyday life, just doing the stuff we do of life. I, John, I'm speaking to you in the suffering, in the kingdom, and the, in the patient's endurance. I'm speaking to you about those things in your life. We go again. I'm jo I, John, are inviting you to go again. I came across this quote the other day. Sounds like it'll be legible on the... This is by a guy called G.K. Chesterton. He's an old, old bloke. Because children have abounding vitality, because they're free in spirit and fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated 
and unchanged. Casper, my grandson at the moment, will do the same puzzle 20 times a day, over and over again. He loves it, same puzzle. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again and again until he's nearly dead. Have you ever felt like that? For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. Can you click again, Jeremy? Thank you. So every morning, the sun comes up. Same job. Same task. Every morning, without fail, every day, day in, day out, every evening it goes down. It just does the same thing over and over and over again. The patient's endurance. But when God gets hold of it, Have you seen some of the sunsets in these last few days? When God gets hold of it, it does the same thing. But around it, God arranges the clouds. God arranges the atmosphere. Sometimes you can't even see it. I always think that being a pilot must be the most kind of optimistic job in the world because you go up, don't you? You're over the clouds and you just see sunshine every single day. You see the sun. The sun goes up, but when God gets hold of it, when God gets hold of it, it's beautiful. When God gets hold of it, because of what's going on around it, not because of what it's doing, but what's going on around it, something extraordinary happens. So John is talking to these, his family His last message to the family, he's saying, what if God got hold of your everyday? What if God got hold of the humdrum of your life? What would that look like? And while he's praying, he has this vision. So if you go to chapter 4, the first thing you'll be glad to know, the first thing that happens in his vision is he goes to church. So he ends up in a worship service. And if you read through it, so I'd first heard speaking like a trumpet. It said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne. There before me was a throne. So God shows himself to John as the ultimate ruler. So he shows that these people that have refused to say that the world will rule them. They have re- they've resisted letting the world define them. They're holding out. Some of them are only just holding out, but they're holding out. And the letters are there to encouragement, and then God shows them a picture of himself. He is the King of Kings. He's sitting on his throne. And coming from that throne... In my version, it was slightly different in what Kat read, but he had the appearance of jasper and ruby and a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. There was color. They brought their humdrum, flattened, 
grey lives. We go again to the throne and God's throne brings colour. God's throne, the, the, in, in these times, the precious stones, the thing about the precious stones was the colour, the delicious colour. Because you can get colour anywhere else, but you've got it in these amazing stones. So God's throne brought colour to their lives. And then in front of the throne, there's 24 elders. So there's the old tribes and the new apostles. There's old and new. Bringing, coming before God with the old things of our lives and the new things. All of it wrapped up, the old and the new. And then there's power. There's the lightning and there's power. And then there's the sea. And they have to go through a sea. The cleansing, cleansing water. So as we come to the throne of God, he cleanses us. The things holding us back, the things that we've done, the things that we've said, the things that that prayer says that we've left undone, the cleansing water as they come to the throne. And there before the throne, and this is where we get to the monsters and stuff, there's a lion, there's an ox, there's a man and there's an eagle. The lion is the nobility and the power and the... Um, seniority and all that kind of stuff. The ox is strength. The man was seen as the wisest and the cleverest and the eagle as the thing that soars, the swiftest and the fastest. So all of those things, all of those things before God, all of them, God is greater. And what John is doing is he's painting them a picture which is saying, do you know what? The world doesn't have the last word. You might feel like it when you doom scroll on your social media. When the 24-hour news is delivering you stuff and stuff and stuff. It feels like the world has got the last word. But John, he's giving them this picture that God has given them. To say they don't have the last word. God has the last word. And then finally you get this beast with the all the eyes so this thing can see and it's flying and it can see and what is it saying it's saying one word over and over and over and over again it's saying holy 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 it's like stuck in a loop of saying holy because there's no other word it can find seeing everything that it's seeing seeing all the the destruction and the negativeness and everything in the world seeing the suffering and seeing the patient endurance and just getting on with life and then seeing god it's just saying holy have you ever thought about what holy means if we click again Holy means, and it's like one of these rich biblical words, it means uniquely different, greater and more, set apart, awesome, properly awesome, not that kind of weird word that people say, perfect beyond other. So God is giving a picture of himself. There's all of that, but God is more. Holy, holy God. Bigger, more than, beyond, 
other than. He's not polluted by it. He's not restricted by it. He's more than. So they're singing, holy, holy, holy. They're connecting. Oh, if only I could connect my life with the fact that God is more than this. If only that could be real to me in in my everyday life, in my we go again. If I could go again, but I could know that God is more. If I could know in my heart that God is more and not just live with this maybe, with this wonder, how how can I do it? And then if we click again, what, what is John's response? He starts crying. So he's got this picture of this more than God over the lives of, of, of the people he loves, over his life, stuck in prison, wondering if he'll live to ever see the people he loves again. He sees this vision of God and he just starts crying. And if you look at chapter 5, he starts crying and he starts saying, but who is it? Who who can take that greatness? Who can make that available to me? Who can open up the truths and who can make them real and who can make them something I can have in my life? And there was no one. There was no one. He could see no one. He was looking at it all. There was no one there. And he started to weep. And he started to just weep and weep. And he was thinking of his family. He was thinking of himself. There's no one. There's this greatness. And then there's our humdrum gray lives. There's the color. There's the majesty. There's the power. And then there's my humdrum life. And I saw a mighty angel. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. And I said, who's worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. There was no one. I was on my own. My humdrum life, the stuff happening to me. And I wept. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able. He is able. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Jesus is able. He triumphed. So just at his lowest point, who, where, how do I find it? The one who came and who died and who rose again. And then they start to sing a different word. They've been singing it a little bit already, but then this other word takes off. If we go again, Jeremy, thank you. Worthy. Worthy. 
Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. And what does worthy mean? Worthy means deserving, suitable, able, being able to. The one who is capable of it. Worthy is the Lamb. Holy is God. Holy and other and great and powerful and amazing is God, but worthy and able and capable of making it ours in our humdrum lives is Jesus. So John, he starts to sing, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is them. You are worthy to take the scroll and open, it, open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign. They will know that power in their lives on the earth, in their hum, humdrum lives. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain He's worthy to receive glory and power and wealth and wisdom and honor and glory. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor. Worthy is the Lamb. Why do we sing these songs in church? We don't sing them for God. I think God doesn't get any greater if we sing some songs, He's already great. We sang a song at the beginning, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. That's the last chorus Jesus sang as he left the last supper and he walked towards the cross. He sang with his disciples, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Why did he sing that? He did, he did, God didn't need him to sing that. He sang it for himself. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He's good and his mercy endures forever. He was facing the ultimate, the ultimate suffering. And he gathered himself around the throne of God and spoke the truths into his life. And God became greater. The reason we worship, the Bible tells us to worship It's really for us. God isn't any greater if we worship or if we don't worship. He's already great. I'm this kind of tiny little speck of dust on the earth that's just here for a little bit. Does that make any difference to him? But when I give him my life, when I take my life and I put it on the altar and I say, let your greatness could you take the humdrum every day of my life? And as I do that, I worship. I give him worth. I choose to connect with his greatness and say, Lord, you're worthy. You're holy and you're worthy to come in and get hold of my life. He takes it. Can we go to the last slide, Jerry? And he speaks into it. And he makes all things new. And this is, the, this is the ultimate message of Revelation. You can look at all of it. 
And God speaks over it. Behold, I am making all things new. And we're in it now, aren't we? We're going to spend some time worshipping together. But worship starts with reality. It doesn't start with a kind of disconnected. It starts with suffering, the kingdom, and the humdrum of everyday life. So we're going to listen to a song. And can I invite you as we listen to the song to bring those things, whether you're at the moment, you're in the middle of something which you never, you never looked for that. You never asked God for this. You never thought your life was going to turn that and it's dominating your life. It's like a suffering in your life. Or if it's just getting through or a combination of all of it, we go again. If it's just surviving, if it's the kingdom, if you've had those moments of, oh, I wish life could always be like this. I wish this, if this is what life was. As we listen to this song, bring all of those things, gather those things. It always helps me to have a picture in my head of gathering things in front of God. We're going we're gonna to listen to the song and gather those things. And then afterwards, we're going to sing. And as we sing, I invite you to allow yourself to resonate with the throne of God, with the otherness of God, with the holiness of God. And allow these words, holy and worthy, worthy, holy, holy, worthy, worthy, holy, allow them to just inhabit your spirit and inhabit you. We go again. We go again. Let's listen to the music. Thanks so much for listening. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, head to westchelt.org.uk or search Westchelt across social media. We love you. We can't wait to see you again.